Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday Morning Podcast. Today, Pastor Rex Johnson brings to us a standalone message from Mark chapter 4. In this message, he will discuss the need of taking Jesus with us wherever we go. And with today's sermon entitled, Take Him Just As He Is, here is Pastor Rex Johnson. I'm going I'm to speak today on, on, a, on a subject simply entitled, Take Him Just As He Is. Amen. Take Him Just As He Is. And I want, to, I want to speak to you from my heart and give you a little something to take home today on this beautiful, beautiful day. Wednesday night, we're starting a brand new series called Destiny. We're going to be talking about destiny on Wednesday night, and I'm going to preach it a little bit different than what you perhaps have heard it before, because there's a lot of people searching for destiny in their life, and it may be right in your backyard. Amen. So let's just, let's come believe in God for Wednesday night. Wednesday night, last Wednesday was awesome. Turn to somebody, shake their hand, say, I'm going to help the pastor today, and you may be seated. Someone said that we ought to treat the pastor's sermon today like we treat Super Bowl since it's Super Bowl Sunday. Said when he makes a good point, go pour Gatorade on him. (laughs) We don't need to do that. (laughs) Things our kids teach us has nothing to do with the message. I'm just going to give you some funnies. Here's what a kid will teach you. A king-sized waterbed holds enough water to fill a 2,000-square-foot house four inches deep. Here's what a kid will teach you. A three-year-old's voice is louder than 200 adults in a crowded restaurant. Here's what kids will teach you. When using a ceiling fan as a bat, you have to throw the ball up a few times before you get a hit. But a ceiling fan can hit a baseball a long way. Things kids will teach you. The glass and windows, even double pane, doesn't stop a baseball hit by a ceiling fan. (laughs) Things kids will teach you. When you hear a toilet flush and the words, "Uh uh-oh, it's already too late. Things kids will teach you. A six-year-old can start a fire with a flint rock, even though a 33-year-old man says he can't. Things your kids will teach you. Play-doh and microwave should not be used in the same sentence. Things kids will teach you. Super glue is forever. Things kids will teach you. Garbage bags do not make good parachutes. Things kids will teach you. Marbles in a gas tank make lots of noise when somebody's driving. Things kids will teach you. Spin cycle on a washing machine doesn't make earthworms dizzy, but it will, however, make cats dizzy. And cats throw up twice their body weight when they're dizzy. God, that's horrible to stop on. Mark chapter 4 says, He began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude. So that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. Verse 33, and with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. And the same day when it was even, he saith unto them, let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude I put it, underlined, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. 
Before I start teaching today, I want us to give our music pastor a great hand for being back in church today. I think it'd be very apropos. Amen. Love you, Randy. From the very first verse of this chapter, we find a setting which Jesus is teaching, and he's, he's never really particular about his pulpit or about his setting. He's in a boat, launched out a little bit, and the people are on the land. He's got him a perfect amphitheater. Everything doesn't have to be just right for the Lord to get in your world. He's in a boat. People are along the shore, and he's teaching them. The first point I want to make is that Jesus will meet you where you are. I want you to get this. I'm going to get into my message pretty quick. I don't have long to preach. At an altar? How many ever met him at an altar? At a well? The woman from Sychar. In a field? He'll meet you in a field. In a sea? In a house? Wise men found him there. We do not serve a God who is neither interested or connected with where we are. We serve a God who's interested and connected with being connected to us and taking us where we need to go. Our God knows, he cares, and he understands. And he offers every man and every woman the same deal. And it goes something like this. If you, sir, if you, ma'am, ever decide you're tired of your life as you know it, if you ever decide it's time for a change and open your heart to me, and turn your life over to me. Then your part of the initial journey is over. And I will step in then. And I will do the rest. No need trying to climb to where I am. Or to reach me to my depths. Just stop where you are and say Lord I need you and I want you. Then I'll step off my throne and I'll come from the heights. And up from the depths. And I will meet you where you are. Is that not a great promise? Remember, he says, our relationship will begin at your house. My relationship with you will begin at your house. I never find in scripture where Jesus said, if you come to my house and be my guest, then I'll be your God. As a matter of fact, he said, foxes have holes and birds have air, of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. In other words... He said, I don't have a home unless you give me one in your heart. But I do find in scripture where he knocks at the door of our house and he will come in if we invite him in and he will sup with us and we can sup with him. And I do find many references to Jesus eating in the homes of people of questionable character, of ill repute. You know why? Because they invited him. He will always come to where you are, but you have to invite him into your house. I wonder today if we could just, with our own hand clap in just a moment, say, Lord, I want you in my house today. Come on, clap your hands all over the house. I want you in my house today. I get up every morning. My prayer is every morning. Lord, I want you in my life today. But pastor, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. You have walked with God a long time. You've been saved since you was a baby. It does not matter. I want the Lord to know he has free access in my house. I want him to come in my house every day. I want him to visit me every day. And this is a day the Lord has made. And we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. 
But I want you to understand, I really do, I want you to understand that this is a time, a beautiful Sunday. If it's Super Sunday for the Broncos and the Panthers, it is a Super, Super Sunday for the children of God. Because we get to come into His presence. We get to lift our holy hands without wrath or doubting and praise Him and say, come on in, Lord. You're welcome in my house. Amen. Amen. Then when evening was come, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. The Lord's always trying to get us over, isn't he? He's always trying to get us over to his side, the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along in a boat. Now the Bible said there were also other boats. Everybody say there were other boats. Now let me detour here just and try to explain something to anyone here who may have this question. We know after the fact, because I've already read the text, between this side of the bank and the other side of the lake, there's going to come a storm. It's been preached 47 ways from Sunday in pulpits on Sundays and Wednesdays. We've read the rest of the story and know what's going to happen. A storm is going to rise. And winds are going to blow. And waves are going to crash. And people are going to panic. And they're going to trip all over themselves and try everything possible to remedy the situation. We also know that the disciples will remember that Jesus is in the hinder part of the boat asleep. And will run and wake him up and he will calm the storm. But see, there's two parts of this whole scenario and story that we often overlook. Number one, there were other boats following along that day. I may not get past this subject right here. You got to get this. Same lake, same day, a whole lot of boats. Together, same storm. My point is this. Everybody in this world, whether they're rich, poor, educated, uneducated, high, low, whatever nationality they come out of, wherever they come from, everybody in this world is going to face storms. And when it rains at your house, it's probably going to rain at my house. And when the price of eggs and gas goes up and it affects you, it's probably going to affect me also. But the horrible storm did not choose a particular boat on which to happen. Storms happen because storms happen. Here's what I want to tell you. Man that is born of woman is but a few days and full of trouble. Everybody has storms. Everybody initially reacts the same way. But there's one major distinction between this boat and all the other boats. One boat chose to take Jesus along with them. You know me, you know how I preach, and you know what I'm about. I'm about Jesus from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet. There's no need for you to be in the storms of life without Jesus on board. He may be asleep in the hinder part, but I'd rather have a sleeping Jesus on my boat than to be in a boat without Jesus on it. Amen. Amen. I don't know where you are in your walk with God today, but I know one thing. 
that if you hadn't chosen Jesus, you have not made the wisest decision in your life just yet. Your wife is not the wisest decision. Having kids is not the wisest decision. But the wisest decision you'll ever make is to say, I know storms are coming. I know they're going to happen. But I'm going to have you on my boat when I go through those storms. Somebody help me preach right now. Hallelujah. There's no need to go through life without the Lord. Boy, it's simple, but it's so real. It's so rich. If I'm going to go through them and I'm going to have to face them, I'm going to face them with you and nobody else. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. Cause his eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. Woo! <laughs> it's kind of like that little old sailor that got in the Navy one day and captain was giving him a, a run over in ship, shipology or whatever you call it. And he said, okay, I got to ask you a question, young sailor. He said, if a storm comes from the outside, what you going to do? He said, I'm going to throw an anchor, sir. He said, if one comes from the starboard side, what you going to do? He said, I'm going to throw an anchor, sir. He said, if one comes in the front, what you going to do? He said, I'm going to throw an anchor. In the back, I'm going to throw an anchor. He said, son, where are you getting all those anchors? He said, the same place you're getting all those storms. <laughs> Hear me. I don't care how many storms you face. I don't care how many times you run into hell during the week. When he's in your boat, when Jesus Christ is in your boat, you've got something, whether he's asleep or awake, you've got something that'll calm the storm in your life. And you might as well celebrate that today on Super Bowl Sunday. Come on, take him. Take Jesus along. Take Jesus along. Take Jesus along. See, that's the good news is that we're not in control. Jesus is. We must remember in the storms of life and through all the temptations that we face, the Lord is present and God is in control. See, the message that Jesus presents to us today is born out of recent stress management surveys. <laughs> Experts say that only 2% of our worrying time is spent on things that might actually be helped by worrying. The other 98% of our worrying time is spent as follows. Listen, 40% of our worrying time is spent worrying about things that never happen. 35% is spent worried about things that cannot be changed. 15% is worried about things that turn out better than expected. And 8% is spent about things that are so petty they don't matter at all. That's why the, the writer Job said, acquaint thyself with him and be at peace. And let me say something to you. This is just, this is not the Bible. This is just pastor. This is Johnson theology. Never let the first story turn you upside down. There's a second story coming. Never let the first story throw you in, a, in the ditch. There's another story coming. And I promise you the second story is going to be closer to the truth than the first story. Because the first story many times will devastate you. And after a while you'll say, you know, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. It's better than you thought it was. And here you have frustrated and anxiety yourself and worried yourself silly over a fact that didn't even happen in your life. But the main thing you got to do is when you go through the storms of life, get Jesus on your boat. Get Jesus in your ship and let him take you to the other side. Clap your hands and rejoice in that. 
Job said, acquaint thyself with him and be at peace. I've told this story before and I love it about an old miser that had a friend and they were both in Colorado, the Utah, Colorado area and they were, they were prospectors and they prospected for gold. And one of those old men died and he had no family except a nephew and his family and that family came a long way to his house. He said, whatever is in the house is yours. That was in his will. And so they came to his house all the way from a big city and they drove up and they saw this little shanty shack in the mountains. And they walked inside and they saw a stool, they saw a chair, they saw a bed. They saw, they saw a little, a little uh, box where he kept his ice and his cold stuff. He didn't even have a refrigerator. And he just lived very primitive. And so they saw a couple of pictures on the wall. So they took the pictures and they put them, put them together. And they said, well, we'll remember old, old Uncle Bill this way. We'll remember him. And they walk out of the house and... His old buddy's got a mule and he's walking up to the house as they're getting in the car to leave the house. And when they leave the house, they wave at him and they said, the will said that whatever we didn't want, you could have. He said, thank you. So he goes up to the house and he knows his buddy. He knows his friend. He knows because he's been prospecting with him. He's been with him every day of his life in prospecting. And he goes up to that house and moves three boards in the floor and picks, out, uh, picks up enough gold out of that floor to build the Trump Towers. And he shook his head and rubbed his whiskers and he said, they should have got to know him a little better. Here's what I want to tell you. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you need to get to know him a little bit better. Acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. You need to meet Jesus and say, hello, my name is trouble. My name is calamity. My name is pain. My name is hurt. And he'll shake your hand back and say, my name is Jesus and I'm the healer of all your hurt and all your shame. And the moment you put your hand in his hand, the moment you shake his hand, you'll feel better. And the moment you repent of your sins, you'll even feel better. And the moment you go down in water and baptism, you'll even feel better. And the moment he fills you with the spirit, you'll even feel better. Because there's something about taking him as he is into your life. It's so awesome. It's so wonderful. It's so glorious. It's the only way to get to the other side. Let me hurry. Let me hurry. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I like you. Come shake my hand after church. <laughs> the other overlooked point in this great story is that they took Jesus along just as he was in the boat. I want to preach about this in closing today. Jesus said, I want to be your, your travel companion. I want to get you to the other side. And they said, go with us. We will take you just as you are. Wow. My question to you today is, can you take him just as he is? See, he has no false pretenses. What you see is what you get. My question is, can you take him just as he is? It could mean a difference in how you handle the storms. Don't thank him. Don't take him as you think he is or as he should be. See, some folks can't take him as he is because they want to do away with some of the things that he is. They want to take away his cross. They want to take away his thorns. 
They want to take away his nail prints and his scarred back. They want to take away the self-sacrifice. They want to lighten up the servanthood role. They want to toss out the self-denial. But Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's up to you, folks. No cross, no Christ. No self-denial, no Jesus. If you want him, you'll have to take him as he is. The old hymn says, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Let me turn the coin and sing it from God's point of view, from Christ's point of view. He said, just as I am, just as you see, can you take me now? Can you live for me with all my scars and my cross to bear? Will you come, O child, will you come to me? That's his song to us. Some people don't take away from him. They add opinions. They add ideologies. They add traits. That's wrong, friend. You can't add to him. If I was God, I'd be tired of me. But I'm so glad I'm not God so I can take him as he is. If I was God, I would make me prove myself and earn his respect and earn his grace. But I'm not God. He loves me just as I am. I read a book in my house and it still floats around my house. It's on a desktop somewhere right now. It says, when is good enough to get God? When is it good enough to get God? You'll never get good enough to get God. You'll never get good enough to get God. But when you get God, you add that extra, oh, it's so wonderful to know that God. I'm here to tell you something. God is God and he's not going to change. He's not going to alter who he is. He's not going to change what he's about. But you can take him just as he is. Amen. Come on, just take him just as he is. I promise you, the things he takes away from you, he'll add to you with greater virtue than you've ever had in your whole life. Boy, I feel like preaching today. Amen. I'm out out of time. Let me check my clock back there. Yeah, uh uh-huh. I know we all know John 3, 16, but 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. You know what? It's an awesome thing to know what God can do with a tattered soul. How many of you were just rags when you found him? Come on, come on, you just... You just, all you, had, all you had was a stinking breath, <laughs> dirty clothes, you were shambled, you were absolutely overran, there was nothing in you good, you came and you cried out to him, and you said, save me, and he said, will you take me just as I am, and you said, I'll take anything you got for me, give it to me, I'll take a double portion, give me a double espresso of you, Lord. I want two times, I want three times, I want something to clean up my life. And now that you have found that cleanliness and now that you found that joy, is he still good enough to take just as he is now? Come on. Do you want to change his style now? Do you want to change his thinking now? Do you want to change, oh God, you know there's some things that I I can't live without now that I'm a child of God. Yes, you can. If he delivered you from those things, you don't need to be going back to what he delivered you out of. Come on, stand up for Jesus and clap your hands. Stand up for the Lord and clap your hands and say, yes, yes, yes. I will take you just as you are. 
Hallelujah. You may be seated. I didn't mean that kind of stand. I find in Revelation that if any man takes words away from the book, God will take his name out of the book. But I also find if anyone adds anything to this book, God will add the plagues described in this book. Take the limits of human thinking off of God and let him be who he is. Let God be God. But pastor, he's not moving fast enough. He's moving just right. He's not answering my prayers quick enough. He's doing it just right. He's doing you just right. Don't ever think that God's late. Don't ever think that God doesn't care. Don't ever think that he does not matter. He still matters. But pastor, he's asleep in my boat. Well, wake him up. Wake him up. Wake him up. But it shows me that he can sleep through the storm (laughs) that's been bugging you. The storm that's been bothering you is not bothering him because he knows the end from the beginning and he knows that he's going to finish this thing right because he is God and he does God real well. I hope I can only do saintship half as well, half quarter as well, eighth as well, a sixteenth as well, a millimeter of a second as well as he does God. Because if I can, I promise you, I'm going to see him as finishing this thing. And it's going to finish well. It's going to finish well. And as Reed said, I've looked in the back of the book. And the Lord wins. Amen. And we get to the other side. And we step on Jordan's banks. And we walk into that new Jerusalem. We're going to make it to the other side when we have Jesus in our boat. Mark Twain and a friend walked outside one day and I closed. Randy, help me real quick. The friend said, do you ever think this storm will stop? Mark Twain said, it always does. That's true in any storm. You got to go through it. But it won't last forever. But if you're going to go through it, don't just be one of them little boats in the ocean. Be the boat that's got Jesus on board. So this afternoon, Broncos and Panthers will be fighting it out. Some hundred million Americans will be watching it happen at Super Bowl 50. Something like one out of three Americans. They'll, be, they'll watch high-rolling 30-second commercials that cost about $4.5 million. Larry Wilson's in one for HEB. Watch for him. If he gets some of that money, I want some church money from him. Amen. <laughs> And gobble an estimated 1.3 billion chicken wings. That's 565 million chickens that'll sacrifice themselves so you can have chicken wings. In addition, it will be aired in some 225 countries. And when you win, you've got a world of people watching. And when you lose, you've got a world of people watching. Thinking of all those people who will simultaneously witness a single mega event, I couldn't help in closing but think of what promises to be the most watched spectacle in history. By far. Calling the plays that day will be a man whose birth split history in two. The quarterback is going to be named Jesus Christ. No ticket or TV needed to see it. 
the Bible reveals he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Glory. So Jesus, you've knocked a lot of rust off of me. You wore me out from time to time. But oh, I can't, I can't thank you enough for the times you've lifted me from despair and calmed my storm. So today, I'm going to take you just as he is. I'm not going to try to change him. I'm not going to try to rearrange him. I'm going to take him just as he is. Would you stand? You're awesome people. And you know I love you. What a beautiful crowd this first service today. Take your neighbor by the hand and say, I I appreciate you and let's pray together right now. Let's pray. Dear Father, in the name of the Lord, I love you, sweet Jesus, with all my heart. And I thank you for the blessings of Calvary. Thank you for the blessings of the cross. Thank you. Because I asked you on my boat several years ago. And Lord, the things that have kept me awake, you slept right through. Because you knew that there's no storm that you couldn't conquer. There's no peril that you couldn't triumph over. You are God and there's nobody like you. Now, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for these precious people. And if there's somebody here that has not given their heart. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.